This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Oh, hell yeah. It is a Saturday afternoon. You know what that means. It is time to get under the dome. And it is one year since the debut, 52 weeks to be precise, because technically the anniversary falls on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, by the way, on Monday. But, you know, we got Under the Dome starting things off the second day of May and setting off what should be a fantastic weekend, just in general, on Acadiana Sports Station. Yes, this weekend should have been, you know, Black Widow was going to be out in theaters. The Cages were going to play Georgia Southern in baseball over at the Teague. You also were going to have the Kentucky Derby. Yes, all this stuff was going to happen. But guess what? It is May 2nd, 2020. And I think I'm starting to feel a little optimistic. And I'm feeling like I'm in a damn good mood. And let me talk to you. We're coming to you live. As always. From the 1037 The Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. You are damn right. We are looking good. We are feeling good. Because guess what? We're here with Acadiana's number one sports station. And if I'm part of Acadiana's number one sports station on a Saturday morning, almost Saturday afternoon, it only means one thing. That I got to be the best of them all. That just cut and dried. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at woo, the greatest, the best-looking man, the best-dressed man, long limousines, jet airplanes, custom-made clothes, and any woman in the world I want, just like that. It feels fantastic to be with you, as always. Hopefully, you're out there Enjoying yourself on the Saturday. You know, the weather outside is just absolutely chef's kiss beautiful. So hopefully you're enjoying that. And, hey, guess what? Now you've got restaurants that are slowly but surely starting to open up patio seating. So you can wind up picking up your food, go sit down, have yourself some good food. Trust me, it's definitely baby steps towards us eventually being able to go back into restaurants, going to be able to be back in movie theaters, and eventually sports being back in our lives, and there was some news that popped up earlier today, earlier this morning, that I'm going to bring up in just a little bit. I'm going to bring this up towards the end of the hour, but of course we're talking about what's going on with the NC2A and what's causing all this. But we'll start things off with, I think, the biggest topic of the week, without a doubt. And I've given my thoughts on it a little bit, but I'm going to go a little bit more in-depth and kind of almost go Last Dance style in terms of how like the chronology of all this works. So, if you've listened to me over the last couple of years, you know my thoughts on Jameis Winston. I thought he was a problem child and wasn't going to last much longer in the league. In fact, I said not long after his suspension in 2018, not that long ago, 
after suspension in 2018 due to what happened with that Uber driver. He was done for. His career was over. The suspensions, the issues off the field, everything was adding up. The play on the field was less than ideal. Bottom line, I thought he was done. Then the Fitz Magic stuff happened, and that created a lot more thought for me that Jameis Winston was going to be done in the NFL forever after this after that season. Lo and behold, he sticks around for 2019. Fitzmagic goes over to Miami and helps that team tank for Tua. Meanwhile, Jameis Winston, boy, oh boy, he did not look good when it comes down to it. The 30 interceptions, 30 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns usually looks good. But then you look at that other statistic, 30 interceptions. He's the only member of the 30-30 club, and nobody wants to be part of uh, that one, and it just felt like you know he was going to go the way of the Dodo Bird, or should I say the way of the Jamarcus Russell, and being another number one pick that just didn't pan out. And then lo and behold, this past Sunday, we saw things change. But on Saturday, May 2nd, 2020, I'm changing my tone, and I'm changing my tone for a lot of different reasons. But it took a little while to get to that point. I'll explain why. And I'll take you back to this past Sunday when I woke up Sunday morning. It was almost like Sunday afternoon, but who cares? So I woke up Sunday morning, and the first thing I saw when I woke up was Jameis Winston is a New Orleans Saint, reportedly. This came up on every single notification I could possibly have. The four-letter network, Bleacher Report, NBC Sports, even our 103.7 The Game mobile app, which, by the way, you can download for free right now over in the Google Play Store or the App Store to make sure you can listen to the show wherever you are. If you're at home, if you're at work, if you're on the road and, you're ra- and your radio ain't working, you can listen to us that way. It's just that simple. But I saw this pop up, and I thought it was a bad dream because I'm like, what are the Saints thinking? What is going on here? I thought maybe I was having a lucid dream and saw Jameis Winston joining the New Orleans Saints. Did not like the decision right out the gate because of the reasons that I brought up earlier. 2018 and everything that he was able to do, like everything since the Oregon game in the college football playoff, that was kind of the moment where like, you saw that Jameis Winston wasn't going to pan out. And Jameis Winston just could not do the right thing, and he just kept making mistake after mistake after mistake. And he kept being a locker room cancer, allegedly. And the Saints just drafted Tommy Stevens, Taysom Hill coming back, and then later in the day it was announced that he was landed a two-year deal with the franchise, which makes you wonder what the future holds for a guy like Taysom because of the fact you've got a more, I'm going to say the word, pro-style quarterback in Jameis Winston, who throws for 5,000 yards but also has 30 interceptions. He got LASIK. Apparently he can see a lot better. Maybe it's like Rick Vaughn, whatever he got the glasses. He was no longer a wild thing. The dude was just throwing 90-mile-an-hour heaters down the middle and painting the corners like nobody else, which I think was definitely a huge win in Major League. So you've got to imagine this to be a huge plus for Jameis Winston to almost relearn how to play football. So it was just like, what the hell is going on? What is this? Why did this happen? I didn't like the move because it just had a bit of a ripple effect to me. And you could have, and if you wanted to move on from Breeze, you could have gotten a guy like Jordan Love because the Packers, they picked him later in that round. The Saints were 24th overall in the first round. They could have picked Jordan Love, if they wanted another QB down the line. And I'm just absolutely overjoyed by the fact that this was not, this isn't a big issue. 
is you could have had Jordan Love and then you have controversy with Jordan Love and Taysom Hill butting heads. At least that's how the media would spin it. But now we see Jameis Winston with the New Orleans Saints, a man who threw 30 interceptions, a one-year deal, and who knows how much it's going to cost. And then I started to see things. I saw reports from Andrew Filipponi, who's hosted weekend programs here on CBS Sports Radio, who's out in Pittsburgh as part of the fan, and he said that Winston apparently got offers from the Steelers to be a part of their team, and it was likely big money deals and long term. That team of thought process ever so slightly about from outright hating the pick to waiting to see the full details. I wanted to wait to see what happened. Then Tuesday rolls around. I think this was right as B2BS started or not long after. Maybe it was off the air. Can't quite remember. Because, again, I'm sure a lot like a lot of you people out there in listener land, your days and hours, they kind of blend together. This whole COVID-19 stuff has kind of changed the way we think about time and how it's relative, maybe a lot like Matthew McConaughey and True Detective, time is a flat circle. But beyond the point, I see the deal is worth $1.1 million. Yes, you heard me right, $1.1 million. For comparison's sake, he was getting paid more than that a week last season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I changed my tune because it felt like he showed a lot of maturity for someone that hasn't shown much of that over the last few years. If you know me well enough, I cannot stand people who can be a locker room cancer. In the case of Jameis Winston, you look up and down that like rap sheet, if you will, he definitely fits what I'm saying as being a very much almost a toxic, a locker room cancer from all I've heard from him before he joined the Saints. That being said... He had a Zoom conference call. He also mentioned this on Instagram Live, but I feel like the stuff that he said on the Saints' Zoom call, I believe this was Wednesday. Again, days and weeks are mashing up like crazy. But I can kind of remember all this stuff in chronological order. Just when it happened, not necessarily going to wind up caring about it. But that being said, so I changed my tune. He showed a lot of maturity for someone that hasn't shown much over the last several years, dating back to his days of stealing crab legs in a Publix and yelling obscenities on Florida State's campus. And going back to the Zoom call for a moment, he realizes this is his last chance you. And here's a soundbite of why he signed with the Saints. And I'm almost going to play one more after that. But listen to the soundbite. If you haven't heard it already, here it is. Well, we have a, 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 a Hall of Fame quarterback in the future Hall of Fame uh, coach, you know that's that that's very intriguing for a, a young quarterback like myself. And also, I've been playing against this defense uh, the, for the past five years, and uh, they continue to get better and uh, be dominant. Uh, this is a this is a Super Bowl contending team, and uh, and I'm just happy to be a, a part of that. That really shows, like Jameis Winston knows what's going on and why he needed to be part of this franchise over. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Patriots, any other franchise that needs a that truly needs a quarterback. Because at the end of the day, a lot of those spots that were open, they're no longer really open in a sense. And it feels like I was hearing some stuff. Potentially, the Steelers are all in on Mason Rudolph. Good luck with that. But sticking with Jameis Winston, he also mentioned this during the Zoom call. And this kind of changed my entire tone about him, and I'll play it for you right now. Yeah, what, what I need to get done is I I need to I need to be a, a great teammate. Uh, I need to serve 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 our team, 
and uh, and I need to be uh, competing every day. Uh, one thing that I, I do take pride in is uh, is being competitive, and uh, and I'm, I'm gonna do my best to be the best football player I can be. Uh, this 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 sport, even though even though um, you know I'm I'm coming to New Orleans, I still love this game of football, right? And we're gonna play a lot of football in New Orleans, and we're gonna win a lot of games. It's amazing to hear the phrase, I need to be a great teammate. In other words, he needs to improve from that aspect, and I think that's absolutely huge to hear that. And I mentioned it earlier. This is his last chance you to a certain extent. Because if he screws up here and he becomes a malcontent, he becomes a locker room cancer, or any of those other things that I've talked about, there's no other option for him. There's no XFL redemption story in there for him. Thanks a lot, COVID-19. So to me, and probably to him as well, either he straightens up and flies right, or it'd be like someone I mentioned earlier in Jamarcus Russell and clinging on to the hope of another opportunity or trying to stay relevant every year saying, oh, I can make a comeback in the NFL. I can make a comeback in the NFL. Honestly, nobody's going to want to trust a guy like that if he shows that he has not changed and he is lying through his teeth in these Zoom calls. Who knows? Maybe those Zoom calls could have been deep fakes. I don't know. But it still holds some water saying, hey, this is your last chance. You're learning from Drew Brees, one of the greatest in the history of our great sport. If you can't learn how to be a better teammate, a great teammate, and how to improve on the field, I got no hope for you, pal. Good luck, God bless, and try and find something else down the road because it's tough. But as I mentioned earlier, my stance has changed. I'm no longer just going to deride the kid. I'm not going to hate on him, and it's not because of the fact I'm a Saints fan. It's because of the fact that I feel like he wants to atone for a lot of his past things and past discretions and kind of be a changed man. And this is America. Everybody deserves a second chance. I'm giving him a second chance. I'm giving him that opportunity to have a chance to be, to have that second chance in the NFL. Because guess what? We're all, we've all been given second chances. Some of us, third, fourth, fifth chances. Look at Tyron Matthew. He was given a second chance after everything that happened at LSU, getting kicked off the team, getting dismissed, and then he plays for the Arizona Cardinals, turns his life around, gets his stuff together, and becomes one of the great ambassadors of the NFL. Give Jameis Winston a second chance. At least he's sure with me if he does something stupid. Don't, don't be surprised if I rip his, you know what, a new one. If I tear him a new one, don't be surprised. And again, this is not me being a Saints fan. This is me giving a man a second chance because in the United States of America, we give people plenty of second chances, so why not give it to him? we got a great show coming up for you today, and we're going to have on at 1030 our friendly neighborhood, Mike Neighbors. He comes over to our neighborhood and gives his perspective on Jameis Winston signing with the Saints and a whole lot more. We'll talk about the Saints draft, the Bucks draft, Raymond Calais, Raging Cajun joining that franchise. That also has Tom Brady. We talked to him a lot about the Tom Brady signing a while back and Emmanuel Sanders, but this will be a lot more about Jameis Winston and how the Saints and Bucks draft. And maybe a little NFC South hierarchy. We'll get to him about that as well. And then 1130, we're going to go to Green Bay to talk a little bit about those Packers. Give you some deets about that in hour number two. But again, hour number one, 1030. We've got one guest, Mike Neighbors, joining the show. If you want to get in, 
337-706-0111. Let's light up the phone lines on this one-year anniversary of Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And also, if you have a smart speaker, make sure you tell it to play 1037 The Game. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break up. Let's get back to the famous CD, who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. And I'm in a damn good mood hearing that track right about now. Some fantastic tunes, as always, right here on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. But enough about the tunes, enough about the good vibes. Let's keep the conversation going about those New Orleans Saints right about now. But in a different spin. Because, you know, Saturday was a little bit more of a overall comprehensive de- draft recap. At least from what we could tell. Because after Friday night, you know, late Friday night, we saw the Saints trade back into the third round, give up all their draft picks, and say, hey, we're going to go ahead and move on and set up shop and be ready to roll for the 2020. NFL draft and wrap up and just focus on the UDFAs. Lo and behold, Tommy Stevens shows up. So that kind of changes how I wanted to grade this NFL draft for the Saints. With three, I think that was a magic number because you didn't need to kind of add another guy. Now you've got four quarterbacks in the room. You go from two to four. You've doubled up over the course of a 48-hour span. So when it comes down to it, I looked at what they did. They addressed some needs, offensive line. They addressed a big need in a linebacker and tight end. They addressed three big needs, and they got three really solid guys, some value picks. It wasn't like it has been in the past where we see the Saints hop into the second round and and go into the third and kind of try not focus necessarily on day four, and they stockpile in day three. This was a smart strategy, those first three picks. They addressed a lot of big needs. I think this was the smart decision to do. And Saturday, I wanted to give them an A because I think they absolutely crushed it. I think they nailed every single one of those picks. Cesar Ruiz seems like a stand-up guy. His story is amazing. Then again, you know, you, one of the big kind of like detracting points I had of the NFL draft last week was the fact that so many of them they had to keep like pump, pumping out these stories, these features about these like players, and it felt like every time they wanted to just drop in the story about like their up- upbringing. And I'm like, you know, honestly, I would have loved to have seen that be on a Sports Center or at E60. Speaking of E60, if you've checked out the Alex Smith doc, oh my god, it is so good. It like people talk about the Lions Dance being great, and it is great. Don't get me wrong, but. Man, the Alex Smith one, if you can't root for that cat like after everything that happened to him, it's I, I'm disappointed in you. But again, the Saints drafted Tommy Stevens on Saturday, and this was like late Saturday afternoon. I was kind of, I again, I took a nap not long after the show, and I woke up, and I saw Tommy Stevens got drafted. I'm like, what the hell happened? Why did you do that? 
And then I kind of started thinking about it. Smart decision. Smart guy. I don't see why not. Then I eventually realized he's more of a Taysom Hill type. And maybe it'd be kind of a like a dual threat kind of thing where you could have Tommy Stevens be the Taysom Hill and Taysom Hill can be more of a pro-style guy. He can kind of transition over to that and Taysom Hill can be the spark plug going forward. Because I think if you have a guy like a, Tays- a Taysom Hill-esque player, that changes the way you can wind up doing things with your offense. If you just have Taysom Hill doing Taysom Hill things, then it's not going to end well. I saw this video. Uh, Warren Sharp uh, tweeted it out, and it's actually a video from RDC World. Which, by the way, if you haven't checked out the cats over at RDC World, they absolutely crush it on YouTube, but... They basically had a video where they were playing flag football, and every time the quarterback had it, he ran it. It was basically Taysom Hill, and I could not stop laughing at it because it was accurate. But I hope that that's not the way it goes going forward. I think Taysom Hill will transition over to the starting quarterback unless they say, hey, unless we see somehow, some way, Jameis Winston comes into some ball games, and we see him dominate. That's the only reason why I can see Jameis Winston be the starting QB in the not-too-distant future. That's just how I think about it. That's my take. Maybe you have a different one. 337-706-0111 to get in on the game hotline. A few more minutes before we get to our guy, Mike Neighbors. We'll talk about those New Orleans Saints and more. And I am just absolutely overjoyed right now just because of the fact that I think the Saints nailed it. And again, I get. I'm still. I'm gonna give him an A minus because the Tommy Stevens pick didn't need to happen. They'd be an A if it wasn't for the fact that you know this time, like they already had a quarterback. They were already kind of looking towards getting a man that stole crab legs at a Publix in Jameis Winston. Again, giving the kid a chance, but it was just such a weird move to go that route. Whenever they were already kind of like set up and felt like they were checked out. At this point in time. So hopefully we see the Saints work it out well. Again, I give them an A-. I think they crushed it for the most part in this draft. They nailed it. And they didn't do anything stupid. Because I mentioned it. The Patriots were kind of stupid in day two especially. I think the dog made a lot of those picks. You look at the Eagles. They made a lot of dumb decisions. Jalen Rieger... And then you go get Jalen Hurts. What in the world are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing, Philadelphia? You're next on the list of people that I just need to talk to and figure out. Like It's an intervention of sorts in terms of guys I'm going to have them on in the near future and wonder what the hell was going on with the NFL and some of these teams. The Eagles are one of those because Rieger over Justin Jefferson – that's basically what they said, and that was the dumbest thing ever. He basically made the Minnesota Vikings even better, and I hope to God, and this is just me saying it right here, right now, I better not see the Minnesota Vikings and the Saints play the playoffs ever again. Just never happen again. If the Saints don't make the playoffs for the foreseeable future and the Minnesota Vikings make it, so be it. Until the Vikings can't make the playoffs again, the Saints shouldn't play him. Never again. Because every time they play, we get our hopes up. And that's a different conversation for a different day. The Minnesota Miracle, what happened last year in the Superdome, it's been karma ever since that game against the Vikings and practically ending Brett Favre's career 
And Favre is definitely kind of becoming the advocate for the one and only Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to call him the beast incarnate because he's not. That's Joe Burrow over the Cincinnati Bengals. They absolutely crushed it with their draft, built a lot of needs, and set themselves up for a lot of success, not in the short-term future, but the long-term future. Same with the Miami Dolphins. But I think another team that set themselves up pretty well for the short term is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, you've obviously got the other guy in Raymond Calais, the late round pick out of the for the Raging Cajuns. He could be absolutely huge for that franchise's future, getting some solid offensive line help because that was definitely something I feel like Jameis Winston was not a beneficiary of at all. So you know we're going to talk about that next with our guy Mike Neighbors. Going to take another timeout, and when we come back, we got a lot more in store for you. Mike Neighbors coming up in just a few. Sports Talk Radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037, the game. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037, the game, and 1037thegame.com. Coming to you live. From the game studios, and right now we're going to flip it on over. We're going to bring him aboard our neighborhood, and that is Mike Neighbors. He's on the game hotline. We'll talk a little bit about those New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Bucks, and who knows what else. Mike, how's it going? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I think obviously the big thing that everybody's been talking about here over the last six days has been former Tampa Bay Buck Jameis Winston joining the ranks of the New Orleans Saints. What was your reaction when you first saw that news pop up on the on the wires? Well, you know, a shameless plug here, but I do a Saints podcast with uh, former Saints linebacker Scott Shanley, and we actually predicted it over a month ago, and we, we had kind of had fun reminding Saints fans of it because uh, obviously we're not always right. <laughs> so we kind of enjoy the good predictions. But I thought, you know, when you look at the quarterback market, it was thin because there's not a lot of opening spots for – veteran guys in the league. So with that said, if he's going to be a backup, to me the natural fit would be the New Orleans Saints so he could learn. And uh, you look at Teddy Bridgewater, what it did for him and his career. So I thought it was a natural fit over a month ago. I just didn't know if they could fit him in the salary cap. Now the fact that he's only making just over a million dollars and he basically took a pay cut you know, around $19 million, that amazes me. But I think you got to give Jameis Winston credit for knowing that he has to get better and – to borrow his words, uh, Harvard graduate program uh, under Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and if he can, you know, make the most of that, it'll, you know, serve him well moving forward. And it really should serve him well moving forward because of the fact he's going to be able to learn, be underneath the learning tree, if you will, of Drew Brees. And you know, I think that'd probably be something. I think a lot of these quarterbacks, let's say a Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, a lot of these other kind of middle-of-the-road quarterbacks would love to kind of have almost like a Manning Passing Academy-esque thing where you're just sitting there learning from a guy like Drew Brees, one of the greatest in the history of the sport. But what do you think is the likelihood of this 
possibly turning into a long-term thing. Because right here, right now, it feels like this is Drew Brees' last ride. And if Drew Brees does hang it up, could Jameis Winston be the starter going forward? Well, that's the million-dollar question. I think it's a low-risk, high-reward based on the money they're paying Jameis Winston and his upside. I mean, you know he has all the talent in the world. And, if, you know, I, I was under the impression that Bruce Arians couldn't fix Jameis Winston. Nobody can. But maybe the only other person that can besides Bruce Arians is Sean Payton because, you know, Bruce Arians' track record with quarterbacks phenomenal. I mean, you have Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer, but those are all number one overall picks or high first-round picks. And Sean Payton, you know, he turned Drew Brees' career around. and He's the one that, you know, helped Teddy Bridgewater. He also created the Taysom Hill factor in the NFL. So I actually think Peyton's record is more impressive than Bruce Arians, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, it's interesting, Jameis Winston's first ever win in the NFL was against the Saints in the Superdome, and my producer on our podcast pulled back the sound from that. And all you heard was Jameis Winston basically saying over and over again, I can't believe I beat Drew Brees. I can't believe I beat Drew Brees when it was more of a respect a quote than obviously he didn't go one-on-one, but you know, he obviously has respect for Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And, and I think, you know, Sean Payton's the kind of guy too that likes the challenge of correcting a quarterback who has immense talent. And if he could be the first guy to do it, you know, you know, he'd enjoy that as well. So I ran out with Mike neighbors. He's on the game hotline. And, you know, my next question is obviously looking towards, you brought up Bruce Arians a little bit while, a little while ago and his track record, it makes you wonder why we didn't see him at least try and like figure out what was going on with Jameis Winston and his eyesight. Because you can about imagine if they had, if he had kind of noticed that before the season started, maybe having that, have him have that LASIK, and then a few weeks later, kind of just see how he is that way. And if Jameis Winston's one hundred percent ready to go and able to kind of see clearly, could this whole story have changed? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I saw Jameis Winston said this week that. You know, he can now see street signs for the first time. <laughs> it's, it's really unbelievable. And I guess if you're a Saints fan, you're thinking, well, the timing's perfect. He got LASIK surgery just in time to play for the New Orleans Saints. It's it's uh, funny. I may go down and cover Jameis Winston today. He's doing a charity event in Tampa today, and his PR people sent it out saying New Orleans Saints quarterback Jameis Winston. So I thought that was uh, kind of strange to see. I mean, you know, if you would have told any of us a year ago, that Tom Brady would be the starting quarterback for the Bucks, and Jameis Winston would be the backup for the Saints, and maybe Joe Burrow would be the number one overall pick. All three counts, we would have said you're insane. But that's what's great about sports is you never know. I mean, you wonder what we're going to be surprised about a year from now. But those three stories are, to me, upper echelon than we normally see. I mean, they're, they're pretty big difference makers in a lot of ways. And you brought up the fact you're seeing press release New Orleans Saints quarterback Teddy, I mean, excuse me, Jameis Winston. And you got to think about it like this is the first time ever that Jameis Winston is going to be playing for a team outside of the state of Florida, playing with the Knowles and then playing for the Bucks. And now he's going to play with the Saints. How weird is that going to be for him? I think it's actually going to be good because he's from Birmingham, which is closer to New Orleans than Tampa or Tallahassee. So he may feel at home more so in New Orleans because he can have friends and family come see him play. And uh, it just seems like a good fit all around. I think the best thing, though, obviously, is you don't want to see Drew Brees get hurt. But if Jameis Winston can kind of play that role that Teddy Bridgewater did, he didn't, Bridgewater didn't play that first year really as a backup to Drew Brees. And I think Jameis needs that more than Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, of course, was coming off an injury, but 
Jameis Winston's coming off a 30-for-30 year. He's coming off a five-year run in Tampa where he had potential, but he made a lot of mistakes. I think he just needs to learn and grow this year, maybe not play a whole lot. I think that would serve him well. It's all right now with Mike Neighbors. And, you know, looking at the Saints in their NFL draft, it looked like they did a great job. They made the most out of a little bit because getting guys like Cesar Ruiz and Adam Troutman and Zach Bond, three three guys, and then they wound up getting Tommy Stevens in the seventh round, but only four picks. It felt like they made the most out of all of those. Yeah, you know, there were some good linebackers on the board, of course, when they picked in the first round. But i got to tell you this, in Jeff Ireland, I trust I mean, he, since he stepped into that Saints front office, they had that you know, immortal 2017 draft, and they've been great ever since. So, you know, I, I'm not going to really criticize him until they have a bad run here, and they haven't had it since he's jumped in there. And, you know, I really like what they're doing with the offensive line. Yeah, they could have gone linebacker in the first round, but the fact that, you know, Larry Warford's not getting any younger, the fact that Andres Pete and Toronto Armstead have had their injury problems, they know what that offensive line means to this offense. And to have the depth that they have now and the versatility that they have now is only going to help Drew Brees and is only going to help the running game. And, of course, that helps the receivers as well. And, you know, if, if anything happens to Brees and Winston gets in there, he's got to be thinking, man, I never had this offensive line in Tampa. I never had this running game in Tampa. Yeah, he had the wide receivers and the tight ends. But to me, if you look at this Bucks team, you know, they don't have a running game, really. They have Ronald Jones, who's a second-round pick, who looked to be a bust, had a decent year last year, but that's about it. And their offensive line is one of the most overpaid units in the league. So the Saints, to me, do what good franchises do. They see things coming, like Von Bell leaving, so they get Chauncey Garner-Johnson ready last year. They see veterans on this offensive line, so they draft young guys that can mentor, so they don't get stuck looking for players. They already have a player in-house. And I think the Patriots do that, the Ravens do that, the Saints do that, the upper echelon teams in the NFL all do that. And, Mike, you're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their run game. That kind of brings me to another question is Louisiana Raging Cajun, Raymond Calais, who I feel like could very well be one of those steals of the draft because seventh-round pick and the dude has some blazing fast speed, the Cecilia product, could very well be a great guy to be both in special teams and the run game. Yeah, they need that. Uh, you know, I, they, I know they had to go out and get a quarterback, and if you can get Tom Brady, more power to him. I think, <laughs> you know, there's been a lot lot made with, with Gronkowski, right? Yeah, oh, no, no doubt. I just, I, I just feel like, you know, they had tight ends. I think Gronkowski is more of a, you know, a, kind of that calming force for Brady. We'll see how much Gronkowski can play and how much he contribute. But the running game is really what they need. And that's a great opportunity. I mean, they need to bolster that running game. And they never had it for Jameis. I mean, you could cast a lot of blame to Jameis Winston on what happened to the Bucks, But really, he never had a running game. He never had a great offensive line either. So it wasn't his fault entirely. I have to, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with Rob Gronkowski. Of, of all the people that like they could have gotten the former the former Patriots, they go get a guy who was last seen winning a WWE title yeah. earlier in the month. In fact, in Orlando. Yeah, it's funny because it should have been in Tampa. If we didn't have this pandemic, yeah. uh, they had to cancel WrestleMania in Tampa, and they were very excited about that. I mean, it was a crazy run in Tampa where I live because they had the NCAA tournament, they had WrestleMania, the hockey team, the Lightning's on a roll, you know, the Bucks get Tom Brady, they have a Major League Baseball team here, so they have spring training here. 
So obviously there are more priorities with the coronavirus, but in terms of sports, the Tampa Bay market got hit maybe harder than any market in the country in terms of what they were expecting. So maybe there's some solace there that they didn't get WrestleMania but they got the champ playing tight end for him next fall. The, all right, we're gonna we're having some fun with this for a minute. So let, let's just put an hypothetical: if if Gronk was in Tampa Bay and if he was if the WrestleMania was at Raymond James Stadium, would we have heard Rob Gronkowski announce he was coming out of retirement to play for the Bucks right then and there? Ooh, wow. Well, you know Vince McMahon, they love that publicity and they they, they seize it. They they pounce on it when they can. And if there was ever a great opportunity, it would have been that one. There's no doubt about that would have happened. They would have devised some skit because it, it, it isn't real, right? It's not it, real. It's predetermined. Right? <laughs> so I think they would have had fun with that. Yeah, I think Gronk is the perfect salesman for that. And, uh, you know, it's got to be tough on Vince McMahon. He loses the XFL and he loses an opportunity with Gronk and the Bucks. But at the same time, he gets an even more opportunity because you talk about it. Any publicity is – any publicity is good publicity when it comes to Vince yeah. McMahon, and you got to think exactly. about it because of the fact that the title he holds is the twenty four seven title can be defended any time and anywhere. So potentially, let's just throw it out there: Week one of the twenty twenty season, all of a sudden, somebody, one of the Bucks players, pins him. Let's say Tom Brady pins him in the <laughs> ring. The referee can make the count and be the new champion, and that gives you even more pub. You know what? I don't know what's going to happen this football season. I think there will be an NFL season. I don't know when it's going to start. But if they have training camp, and I'm sure they're going to have to have some to get ready, there's going to be a training camp moment where that happens. I don't know if it's going to be Tom Brady. I don't know if it's going to be an offensive lineman. I would expect that it would be somebody on defense, though. Maybe Devin White, your LSU guy. Maybe he's the guy. It's going to be somebody in training camp because they got to make the most of this opportunity somehow. So let's just, let's just kind of paint this picture right now. Devin White pins Gronkowski and rides <laughs> off on his horse out of, out of the training facility. Yes, yes. And that way, LSU is the home of the national <laughs> champion and the WrestleMania champ. It's been a heck of a year and a heck of a, a 12-month run for the LSU Tigers. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the event out in Tampa. Anytime. I enjoyed it. All right, that was just absolutely fantastic. What a hell of a way to end it, a free-flowing conversation. You never know where it's going to go. That's how I love it. Sometimes you just kind of get into a groove, and my guy, Mike Neighbors, is absolutely amazing. Your friendly neighborhood sports reporter who covers the Saints with CST, also out there in Tampa by the Bay, and it's always just fun to kind of talk to him and just hear the conversation about Rob Gronkowski, and again, I think it's going to happen week one because think about it. That's going to be on Fox. Fox has WWE SmackDown every Friday night. There's a great cross-promotion opportunity. And you can get a lot of eyes on the product. That is, of course, if WWE does not sell. That's a different conversation. I think for a different day because I just don't believe that's going to happen. And this was reported by I'm a wrestling legend, Dirty Dutch Mantel, but I just have no idea of the validity of that. But when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit of NCAA football and the likelihood of that coming back because the NFL, more likely than not, is going to be back. In fact, they are set to release their full 17-week schedule next week with September 10th being the season opener and the Super Bowl on February 7th, Vision of Fans in the Stands. I'll talk about that maybe a little bit later in the show, but next up, the NCAA right in the crosshairs. We'll talk about their plan to return 
to college sports next on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. don't lie because when you listen to under the dome with cd your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent and they spell disaster for you as sacrifice now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on acadiana's sports station 1037 the game i saw this pop up like before the show probably about an hour before this actually came out on friday and i wanted to bring this up by the way welcome back to under the dome with cd on 1037 the game and 1037thegame.com, and also however you listen in through your smart speakers, because I think that's the best way to listen to the show. Through your smart speakers, so the entire house can hear it. You hear it in the intro. This is should be played at a high volume in a residential area, and I think a smart speaker is the best place, because Bluetooth headset doesn't nearly project as well across the area, because I don't think not just one mobile app or smart speaker should play it. It should be all the smart speakers in all the land. We can have all the people be able to hear the best show in all of Acadia and the only sports radio show right now that's going on live and local in the entire area. But going back to what I was talking about, the NCAA released a document called Core Principles of Resocialization of Collegiate Sport. That's a fancy word for saying, hey, we're going to have sports back in our lives pretty soon, people. So that panel consists of leading medical, public health, and epidemiology experts and has put together nine core principles that will help guide the NCAA towards the resumption of college athletics. And to kind of run these through, there must be directives at the national level that preclude resocialization. State and local authorities must have a plan in place. There should be a plan in place at the university college level for the resocialization of students. And we're starting to see that a lot more because I think there's like 50-plus colleges, including LSU, I haven't heard anything outright from UL, but I'm sure that's not too far along, not too far down the line when it comes to bringing back students for the fall semester. That's the next like phase is to bring students back on campus. There must be a plan in place at the university college level for resocialization of student athletes within athletics. Must be adequate protective PPEs for athletic health care providers, personal protective equipment, and there must be sanitizers to manage infection control in all shared athletic space. And there must be also be the ability to assess immunity at a regional or local level. This could include immunity at the college campus, plus a more focused assessment on herd immunity for athletics teams, access to reliable rapid diagnostic testing on any individual who is suspected of having COVID-19 systems, symptoms. There must be a in-place local surveillance system to so that newly identified cases can be identified promptly and isolated, and the close contacts must be managed appropriately, clearly identified and transparent risk analysis in place. Issues such as economics, education, restoration of society, blah, 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 could be one of those things. And there's also a number of different phases. I'm going to get to just each of these. These basically kind of follow what we've heard from the president about his phases, just kind of how things open up. It goes on a 14-day basis. That's a big reason why John Bell Edwards on Monday announced that he was extending the stay-at-home order to May 15th. Because I think once we get to two weeks, we start seeing these cases dip down a little bit more. Yes, yesterday those cases 
spiked up a bit, but I was reading into some things, and apparently there were a couple new labs that released all their old cases at one time. That kind of changes the way we look at this. It's it's new cases, but guess what? It's cases that may be a little bit older, and you got to kind of work fix the timeline a little bit. That's kind of where we're at. But it's all about kind of just 14 days, and you start easing things back in, and eventually we'll get sports back in our lives at the collegiate level. When it comes to the NFL, I wouldn't be surprised if they released their full setup like by the end of the week, by the end of next week. I would be shocked if they don't have it by the time we come on the air next Saturday. Because the rumor in any window is they're going to release it on May the 9th. That's seven days from today. I think they release it on Thursday because it's typically when they do that. Because if they release it on May 9th, I'm going to be upset because I want this thing to be released on like a Thursday night. That way I can talk about it on Saturday, give my game-by-game predictions. Because that's what I really like to do is just give predictions and kind of not preach from the mount. I like to talk a lot about what I think is going to happen because that's just honestly a lot more fun. But you know what else is a lot more fun? What I'm going to do to start off hour number two, because I, I daydreamed a bit over the last few days about this. What's the dream lineup for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns baseball team? I'll talk about that next right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Hour number two of two of Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7, the game. We are back, and as always, we are coming to you live from the game studios on 103.7 The Game. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. And of course, it's yours truly, the famous CD, some would say world famous, honestly, I'll just settle for famous, because honestly, I think this show is the best in the world, and I guess what? The cream will rise to the top. The cream will always rise to the top. That is right. And we are back. Hour number two of two. Going to have on Matt Frolich. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Going to try and hit him up about that in just a few. He'll be talking to us at 1130. Talking about those Green Bay Packers and a whole lot more. But this is going to be where the show gets a lot of like more interesting. Just in terms of of the overall conversation and where we start in terms of who goes where and what kind of fits in the overall conversation of who who was the man, who's definitely one of the, where do we stand on an all-time Cajuns roster? And I think we can kind of break this down like a fraction. 
because I'm going to I'm going to do that because why not? I dreamt this up the other day just kind of randomly sitting at home thinking about this. So why not have a little fun and talk about the all-time great Cajuns roster? And it's kind of tough to think about how you could put together a starting nine and your weekend rotation. Because I'm thinking about in terms of a three-game series, not not a full five-game week, just three games, three-game series, put it your three best guys, and I guarantee you we could probably crush it with a lot of these cats. We start off with the starting pitchers. It's pretty easy to put these three together. I'm sure a lot of you will agree with this when it comes to the all-time starting pitching lineup for Cajuns baseball. And I also got to give credit to the Sunbelt for bringing this up because they actually created like an all-time Sunbelt conference lineup and the pitchers were dominated by former Cajuns. Friday night, we can't not bring up Ron Gidry. You hear me right? Louisiana Lightning... Can't not be in this lineup. We have the name, we have the jersey retired, for goodness sakes. So it's got to be Ron Guidry, Friday night, being your primetime starter. Absolutely dynamite. Would be a lot of fun to see Louisiana Lightning light up the field on a Friday night. Saturday would be Gunnar Leje. I think that's probably the smartest decision you could make in terms of building your rotation. Game one could be a guaranteed win. Game two feels like it's Pretty much like 99% certain. I'm saying that's a huge pick. And then the third one kind of is, I'd say, more controversial. And maybe it's just my personal opinion. And, you know, that kind of gets in the way of certain things. I could probably pick a lot of guys for this. I could bring up Danny Farquhar, Scott Doman. The list can go on and on and on about different guys that fit different positions. I could go on and on about this. But I'm going to go Austin Robichaux. Yep, you heard me right. I'm going Austin Robichaux. I can't not go with my boy, Ott. He is he's, was an absolutely fantastic righty for UL. The numbers speak, to, speak for themselves. i got to go with him fitting in and rounding out that number. And I'm also going to throw in a closer for good measure because I can't not include Demo in this mix. Dylan Moore, your closer every night. He, he, is, he didn't think about it. If you have these three guys, I guarantee you Demo is only going to be doing a three-out inning, and I don't see why not in the case in this hypothetical world that I'm living in. And honestly, with COVID nineteen, we got to take what we can and enjoy it. That's where I'm going with that. And then I'm going to go another go for the catcher first to start off our lineup. I'm not going to set it one through nine; just going to go just set it up however I want. Catcher. I think we got to go Paul Baco. He just absolutely was great in the pros as well over the years. Spent time with several programs, including the Astros, for the 99-2000 season. And a lot of other guys, a lot of the pr- programs as well. And had a really solid run in the league in the majors. 12 years, one of the longest amongst all these players. I could bring up Luke Roy. I'll put Luke Roy in that second spot because I, I can't not include Luke Roy in an all-time Cajuns lineup, and it's tough. It's tough to not include a guy like that. And, you know, whenever we look at it, we're just going to go one by one, go first base. I got to go with a guy like Brad Hawk. He is just a damn good player. Give me, give me Hawk to kind of be your first baseman. I think he's gonna be, he'd be a solid guy to put in there. David Alvis would be decent as well, but again, 
I'd go with Hawk to be our first baseman. Second base is a tough decision to make because you've got two great ones in the more recent era between Stefan Trosclair and our guy Jace Conrad. Two of the greats. I'm going to go with the man himself, Jace Conrad, because I think he fits that role extremely well. I think we put Jace Conrad in there. He was a consistent hitter, probably one of the best in Cajuns baseball in recent memory. Blake Trahan going to be your shortstop. Third base is going to be third base. I'm just going to say is also a little bit tough because it feels like you just look up and down like rosters over the years. Maybe none of them really like truly pop. None of them truly like fly over the top. For me, third base, I got to go with. I got to go a little bit more unprecedented style with this because it feels like the third base position is not necessarily the deepest, but I think you got some strong choices. Dallas Morris, who was drafted by the Angels in 05, I like what I've seen from him over the years, and he was a hell of a player for the Cajuns in the early 2000s. When maybe, then the team was always like consistently in that conversation of teams that could make it into the NCAA tournament and could wind up just absolutely crushing it. So that's my guy. I'm going with him in there. And then we jump over to the outfield. I think there's a lot of different choices we can go with this. I always feel that way. But I think there's a lot of them that are there. Start off in left field. Go more recent. Start things off. Go with Caleb Adams. He was part of that 2014 draft class where a lot of the players left. He was absolutely fantastic. And speaking of which, let's go with Seth Harrison as well. A seventh-round draft pick. He definitely belongs on that all-time list and now the real question is, which way do we go with right field? Where does right field land? For me, I'm going to go very, very old school and go, I got to go Ramos. We got to bring up Ramos in this conversation. How can we not bring up a absolute legend in terms of Cajuns, like baseball and history? Got to bring up. Papo Ramos, we got to pl- we got to put him in that list. I think he'd work out really well in that position. And I'm also going to bring up DH because there's a there was a real kind of conversation that I was having with myself when putting this together, and I had to put in put in one player in particular. And it's a player that I grew up watching and absolutely loved what he did. He just absolutely mashed the baseball at will. And he was crushing it damn near every night. So give me Brad Saloom from the early 2000s. I feel like every time I saw this guy play, he absolutely mashed the baseball. So for me, that's where we're at. The DH, Brad Saloom. I think that's where the conversation began and ended for me in terms of where I would put him in a Cajuns lineup. I could be completely off base about this, but that's where I'm at in terms of my dream lineup if I were to put the Cajuns in a complete lineup and see what's going on. And I think they take two out of three against a lot of different programs, even if they're all-time lineups. I think I'm going to do an LSU one down the road, but this one, like, I'll say this. This was tough because I had to kind of, like, I didn't want to go completely, like, 2000s and obviously Ron Guidry's in there, but outside that, I didn't want to completely, like, leave anybody out. I didn't want to go and be cheap and just go with the obvious picks. 
I just didn't want to go that route. There was a lot of different players that I could wind up choosing from. This was this was tough. I'm not gonna lie. This was a very very tough like lineup to try and put together, and hopefully you enjoyed it because it was just something that kind of interested me to say the least when it comes to just what's going on in the world of sports and just kind of a slight deviation from the norm because it's I always will admit it that's where the most fun part of the show comes up when I can come up with just ridiculous topics like what ifs or if thens in terms of college football or NFL football and break that all down because a few weeks ago I brought up and I absolutely loved the thought process behind if you saw, it's something I've always just been like enjoying to do over the years, is to create a dream situation. These if-thens. If Jimbo Fisher went to LSU instead of sticking around at Florida State, maybe Coach O would never be, this LSU team would never win a national title the way that they did. But I absolutely loved it what I saw this past season from LSU. And I hope we get to see college football back in our lives. And I mentioned in the last segment, I'm going to bring it up again. There's actually a plan in place, and it's a lot, like it's very similar to what we're seeing right now in terms of businesses across not just Louisiana, but across the country and probably across the world in some cases, how they want to slowly open things back up into phases. Now, obviously, when it comes to universities, it's not opening everything up in terms of, oh, hey, we're going to open up hair salons and all this stuff. No, it's basically you're having to slowly but surely open up and, and loosen up your regulations so that way you can set yourself up to kind of have a fall semester. Because bottom line is, and this is something I've seen a lot with a lot of these other like struggling universities over the years, there is a struggle to kind of come up with like a lot of great content, a great Great universities, there's a struggle. And with the fact you got distance learning, a lot of the money with colleges, for the most part, is made by students being at the university and attending classes and all that stuff. If you're doing distance learning, you're losing a little bit of that. And, yes, I think that you can utilize distance learning and it'd be successful. But that's a different conversation for a different day and entirely different kind of content because it's – it's easier said than done, but I think whenever you look at the future of like college education and probably in turn college athletics, you can see college athletics still exist, but you see them go a lot more of the online route. But there's got to be that balance between online and true brick and mortar face to face learning. And if you're not able to have both, then there is a very weird road. There's a tough road to hoe here. And it's going to be kind of wild to kind of think about. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, I want to kind of continue a little bit of conversation that I had earlier in the show and talk about LSU, talk a little bit about the Saints as well, but more about LSU and how they were able to do things on the recruiting trail. If you want to get in on the show, as always, the 103.7 Game Hotline is open, 337-706-0111. We're going to talk some Packers in the 1130 segment. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll talk a little bit more about LSU, what they're doing on the recruiting trail, maybe some Saints as well. Whatever you want to talk about, 
The game hotline is wide open. Anything goes. No holds barred. Of course, you can't say certain words on the air, so make sure you don't do that. We'll be back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Is cooking. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Finally, the famous CD has come back to Under the Dome with CD. We are back from commercial break. It doesn't matter what we were going to talk about because I completely forgot this till we came back from commercial break. And that is today is a special day, May 2nd of 2020. Happy birthday to... Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That's why we play that to come back for break. I just randomly saw something pop up during my break. I'm going to play for you right now. This came from the New Orleans Saints Twitter account. And how can I not play it? It gets you in a really good mood. Lighthearted as all get out. But here is The Rock from about 2014. can't believe this was six. Oh no, it was about seven years ago, actually. This has led up to uh, the announcement of WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. When the Saints <laughs> It's not gonna stop there. Go marching in. I think you guys might know this. Oh when the Saints go marching in. Oh how I'd love Go up to be in that number. Okay, here we go. When the saints go marching it. How about that? You got the man himself. I absolutely love the fact that we had the rock singing when the saints go marching in to hype up the crowd over outside the Mercedes Benz Superdome. I think probably one of the convention centers or something to announce WrestleMania 30. That was just seven years ago when that happened because that was leading up, that was before WrestleMania 29. And the video had The Rock with the WWE Spinner title. So this was just before they unveiled the new title that they unveiled at the Cajun Dome, which was really cool. I'd, I need to go out and find that video again because he actually had the Raging Cajun Band help introduce him that night on Raw. Probably one of the coolest moments in the history of like shows at the Cajun Dome. And maybe we'll get Cajun Dome shows down the road. Maybe, maybe not. Just depending on what's kind of happening with the world of sports, because that's the crazy part of all this, is the fact that the world of sports is just so different now to where we're hearing about potentially fans coming back. Over in Florida, where COVID-19 cases are still not necessarily, the curve's not necessarily flattening at this point in time, is that there is a chance that they're going to reopen up arenas to fans. That means the WWE could allow fans to come in on a limited basis. It'd be 25% capacity at this point. Then eventually 14 days later, they could very well up that to the 50% and down the road, hundred percent capacity. It's interesting 
It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. But again, I wanted to get to what's going on with LSU on the recruiting trail. I was going off on a different tangent, and basically that's how the show goes sometimes. I get on one topic, and I just start rambling on. But luckily, I'm able to kind of get myself steered in that right direction. And I'm. But one of the cool things I've just been interested in is what's going on with LSU in the world of recruiting. And they've been crushing it over the last week with a commitment. Yesterday, Xavier Carter out of Hapeville Charter, a great player from what I've been able to hear, and they rise up to number 15 in these recruiting rankings. And they've been able to kind of nail it a lot when it comes to their commitments. they got an offensive lineman out of Harvard. that doesn't have to park the car in Harvard yard. He just comes on over to LSU and plays for the Bayou Bengals. And he's got a World Series ring, which is the coolest thing of it all. Credit to Brody Miller for doing the research. Cat was actually working as like a groundskeeper, I guess, for the Boston Red Sox during that World Series year, which is a whole different conversation. I mentioned it last week. I, I got so frustrated seeing the fact that the Boston Red Sox got slapped on the wrist or maybe even, not even that. They barely got nothing out of that, like next to nothing in terms of like you, they got caught cheating a lot like the Astros did. But the Astros got the worst of it. Suspending their coach for a year and GM, and then they fired their coach and GM and moved on to Dusty Baker, which is a dumb idea, but okay, I'll, I'll live with it. As long as it leads to the conspiracy theory that I hope is going to happen where we get A.J. Hintz and Jeff Lunell back in that franchise sooner rather than later because I think that would be absolutely great and just kind of middle fingers up to the, the people that are running and ruining the MLB because, man, Rob Manfred, man, is absolutely just a joke because of the fact that he wants to single-handedly abolish the minor league baseball system and shut down several different affiliates. Eventually, we're not going to have minor league baseball. You are taking the farm system, one of the best parts of how the Astros rebuilt this franchise after Bud Selig and his jamoke setup where he basically moved the Houston Astros from one place to another. I am just absolutely upset with this. It like seeing the minor league baseball ranks kind of dwindle down is just absolutely upsetting to me. I mentioned it last week with the Boston Red Sox stuff, but seeing more and more kind of traction for that is is just obscene. And sticking with baseball for a minute, you know, the Cape Cod League canceled their season. Texas Collegiate League is still going to go on as planned. I'm interested to see how that's going to go. And then you see Little League World Series cancels their plans, which I think was the right idea. I think that was the right idea to do. I, I think at the end of the day, that was it wasn't proactive, reactive. It just was the right decision to make. I think that was the right way to go about it. But, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the next like couple of weeks with the MLB because I think we're starting to hear more traction about late June. I think that's a great idea. What I don't think is a great idea is the fact that the MLB wants to kind of do three division setup, West, Central, and Eastern divisions. Now, why am I saying I'm not a fan of it? Because I feel like the 
I feel like the Astros should be a central team in my mind, in my hard hearts. And I think that wouldn't create as much of a travel pain if you're having to kind of play a lot of these other central teams, these other like-minded teams where you got the two Chicago teams right there in Illinois. That's just that's a train ride. You, you can pull that off. You're not having to travel to the West Coast, which is not the best coast in this sense, and I'm just absolutely frustrated with it. I'm trying to just kind of make sure we get some stuff ready. For our next guest who's joining the program, and we'll talk to him about those Green Bay Packers. It's just it's gonna be fun to see what happens with those New Orleans with those I'm just the Green Bay Packers are gonna be one of the more interesting parts over the next several weeks. And I'm gonna talk about that with our guy Matt Frolich next right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 the game and 1037thegame.com. Back after this, listen in. Sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037, the game. And we're going to turn this up to 11 because honestly, we need to give this guest as much hype as humanly possible. He's a part of the Pack a Day podcast and Packers worldwide. So we're going to get to him right now. He's on the game hotline, and our next guest hails from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Matt Fralick. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going really well. I appreciate that introduction. Then that 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 worldwide, you hit that. We might have to take that cut and use it for our podcast. I'll send, I'll send you the link after the show's done. You can kind of cut that up however you want with Packers Worldwide. But, man, you know, obviously I think everybody's talking about it, what happened with the Green Bay Packers in the first round of the draft, them picking up, of all people, Jordan Love. It's not a knock against the former Utah State Aggie. It's just the fact that, you know, over the years, Aaron Rodgers has asked for wide receivers and hasn't gotten them. Yeah, the – not addressing receiver in the nine picks, uh, ten going in. Obviously, the fourth one was traded to move up to 26 to select Jordan Love, uh, Eric Hank, and Rodgers. When that happens, we're not sure. But I think the big reason everyone's up in arms is just because it was kind of that clickbait article we actually had on ArmsPackersRollWide.com doing a, a shortened mock draft. And Jordan Love being selected at 30 was our highest clicked article. Surprise, surprise. And then actually that uh, sold the future. So, Really what it comes down to is the tradition of the Green Bay Packers with the quarterback position. There's only a few of them that have been very successful, and even the ones that haven't been that great. There hasn't been many of those either. It's um, it's kind of a passing a torch situation, and it's just it, the reality is creeping up faster on this current five-year plan the Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur, and Aaron Rodgers are in with their contracts. 
And it makes you wonder what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and his mindset. And we heard, I mean, Brett Favre apparently is the advocate for Aaron Rodgers now after kind of maybe Brett Favre wasn't the most like warm person around Rodgers whenever he was still playing in the NFL. It makes you wonder what's going on in the mind of Aaron Rodgers right now. I think Rodgers is just chilling. I mean, I saw an Instagram post. He was on some mountain and just like, just vibing out. So it seems like him and Danica are out climbing some mountains, getting into altitude, and just hanging. I mean, it's. I, I love the fact that David Bakhtiari said it best on the NFL Network live stream on uh, the first round of the draft on that Thursday. Just says this is going to light a fire under Aaron Rodgers' rear end and just have someone compete that's a little younger, maybe talented with his feet or his arm comparably, or at least in the same ballpark. Um, definitely the same quarterback locker room, but that's going to be fun to watch, just the competition level, and I hope that's how Aaron channels that energy, right? Like, no, it's, um, it's, there's definitely stuff from the outside. The last two years, three years, Packer fans have came across this. It's, it's great that uh, nationwide people want to talk about the Packers. We love it here in Titletown. Like, if you guys want to talk about us all day, that's, that's fine. It gives us ratings, and it makes our uh, PackersWorldwide.com website and our Pop Day podcast episode just go. We have content to talk about in, in uh, early May, and, you know, the contract – the quarterback controversy we're going to talk about is the Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Drew Brees situation. I feel like that's that's a little flipped on there now. Oh, exactly. I think from our perspective, we want to flip the script for a minute. Whenever it comes down to it, I talked about it at the beginning of the show, I want to give Jameis Winston a chance, but how are you going to kind of keep all these pieces up? Because not only did you bring up Taysom Hill, it's a little bit of a fatal four-way, if you will, because you got Drew Brees, and he's like going to hang it up after this season, Taysom Hill, Tommy yep. Stevens, and Jameis Winston, how do you mishmash all that stuff together? Could you very well go like basically Alvin Kamara could very well be out the door after the season, and then you kind of create yourself a setup to where you're going to just say, hey, let's put Taysom Hill, Tommy Stevens, Jameis Winston as the quarterback and run the triple option. Just one ball, right? Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's SEC football, like Georgia Tech. Like, you just got to get the old offensive coordinator from there and run that thing. But like you said, Brees is out the door. Like, it's, it's awesome he's coming back. I really like Drew Brees a ton. I think he's a really great football player and just a better person. Uh, Taysom Hill, I'm still pissed that the uh, Packers let him go after you know, signing into their uh, the preseason roster a few years back. And then Jameis Winston, like, his feeling, like, Fantasy football wise, he's a top five, top ten guy, easy. But now with like his LASIK surgery, like is he even a better NFL quarterback now? He's going to be. I don't know if like getting your your vision corrected is going to help with decision making, but it might let you not see as many blurry uh, multiple, you know, defensive backs. And I kind of compared it, Matt, to major league. I think it's a appropriate thing where Rick Vaughn, whenever he put the glasses on, he was able to no longer be like the wild thing, where throwing wild pitches left and right. He was able to kind of paint the corners, and now maybe we see Jameis Winston add those 5,000 yards, add maybe take 10 away from the interceptions, and add 10 to the touchdown total, and then he looks really good. I mean, that's that's really good for an MVP race. Like, exactly. You're telling, I mean, that's, that's incredible. I just don't know if he gets the opportunity, right? Like, it's just Breeze is going to have to go down, and then you're after that. Like, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with Taysom, right? Like, when he's on the field, he's productive, but he's never been asked to go under center 20 times a game, and that's in the low, low end, right? Like, he's never even yeah. been asked to go five times. So he's not really – I don't see him as the future at quarterback. He just seems like another one of those pieces, just like Alvin Kamara, like you mentioned. Uh, obviously, Michael Thomas, they went and signed the kid out of uh, the Dayton. 
the uh, Adam, Adam Troutman, the, the tight end. So he's a stud too. Like he, the fact that he fell to Sean Payton and he's able to plug him into that New Orleans high-powered offense, and it's scary in itself to be an NFC uh, Packer fan. So I'm excited for the season. I know the, the, the schedule's supposed to come out this next week. We'll see what that looks like. I've been hearing rumors. There's a few articles I've read. But I'm just excited, um, and I'm sure just as you guys are, but in living in Green Bay, we rely heavily on the Acme Packers, 1265 Lombardi, and we need, we need them to have games. I mean, case in play, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it, so I hope the season is, if they do start in October, at least run through the, the length that they're talking about to the Super Bowl in February, but um, I'm excited for football, and if it's, I don't know what we would do. We would just have more radio shows, more podcasts, more articles to write and speculate over a different controversy here in Titletown. And trust me, y'all are going to have content for days, weeks, and months. And it's something that's like kind of beautiful that's come out of the post-NFL draft world in the midst of COVID-19. Because obviously, on a day like today, I'd be talking Kentucky Derby. I'd be talking mm-hmm. about the NBA playoffs, odds are. I'd be talking about a lot of different things, a lot of different pieces. But now, like, in the post-NFL draft world, there's so many new storylines we want to explore, and I think the Green Bay Packers are that, like, A number one, the one everybody's talking about because Aaron Rodgers, and it seems like, you know, the tw- the tail end of the Mike McCarthy era was kind of, you basically, he wanted him out. He wa- he was kind of becoming a bit of a malcontent, and now we see it being almost like, like the time is a flat circle, and we see... Rodgers be a lot like Favre towards the end of his tenure as a longtime Green Bay Packer. And it makes you wonder, do you see Rodgers potentially asking for a trade after this season? I don't think it's after this season. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers and the Jordan Love, uh, as Rodgers is the starter, Love is the backup potentially getting mop-up time or, God forbid, an Aaron Rodgers injury. I think that lasts for about two years. Uh, Maybe maybe a year and a half. We'll see how it goes with this season and, you know, just the shortened, maybe preseason, the, the shortened offseason following 2020. Um, let's not get too far away, but I, I don't think he's going to ask for a trade this next year. I, I think it, it might come down the line a few years after, but I really don't. I think he's going to play for a different team. If you had, if I like, gun to my head, I would say he'd play for a different team. But at the same point, I don't think Aaron Rodgers needs football as much as, other quarterbacks that have hung on need football, if that makes sense. He's kind of he dabbles in a few different things. He's able to still get in the media and the limelight. Um, not that he seeks it by any means that comes across to me, but he's able. You know, he's connected with Danica Patrick. He does radio shows. He does podcasts with like AJ Hawk and Pat McAfee. He's he's out there, right? And I don't think it's something where he would need to have one more run under his belt with, say, uh, another AFC or NFC contender just to shove it in the Packers' face. But I, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, and I'd be fine to admit it. They trade him after this year, and Jordan loves the future. But uh, I think right now I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the quarterback room for the Green Bay Packers. I just wish there would have been a receiver uh, other than, I guess, Evan Punch's side this offseason and then eliminating a few other guys. I just still don't see where that production is going to come from. But um, guys are coming off injuries. Equinemia, St. Brown. Uh, Marquez Valdez Stanley hopefully will progress a little bit. Uh, obviously, Alan Lazard, love him. And uh, Jake Kumro, uh, touchdown Jesus, kid out of UW Whitewater. He's going to get on the field too and make plays whenever he's able. So uh, that's where we're at right now with the Packers. And as far as you know, offense looking past 2020, uh, I'd like the A.J. Dillon pickup, considering Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents after this next year. 
Uh, Danny Vitale is not brought back. Dexter Williams, uh, rookie from last year on Notre Dame, is horrendous. So really you don't have much stability after the 2021 season. Talking now with Matt Freilich of um, uh, Packaday Podcast and Packers Worldwide. And, you know, looking over, just like I'm thinking about it right here, right now, that the way that things worked out in the NFL draft, it seems like they're behind the proverbial eight ball because you look at your biggest rival, the Minnesota Vikings, and what they did, getting a guy like Justin Jefferson and really adding some Jets to their offense. Now it just feels like, feels like now it's almost becoming an arms race between Minnesota and the rest of the NFC North. And the Packers are kind of staying status quo for the most part on offense. Yeah, Packers are going to stay pretty similar on offense. That's a fair point. But I also, you know, I, you can Justin Jefferson, rookie out of LSU. I think he had a great season um, down to the Tigers. It's phenomenal, obviously. Joe Burrow swinging the ball. Joe Brady with that offense. Now he's in North Carolina for uh, with, with the Panthers. But just because they signed Justin Jefferson, let's not forget, or drafted Justin Jefferson, let's not forget that they traded away Stephon Diggs. I realize they got good compensation. Their secondary is horrendous. Uh, no more Xavier Rose, no more Trey Waynes, product out of Kenosha Bradford down in uh, uh, by Milwaukee in Wisconsin. Their, their secondary is porous, and that's fine because we've, we've as a Packer fan, I've watched Aaron Rodgers dissect that Mike Zimmer secondary often. And I don't see why that wouldn't happen again with similar players like you mentioned. Matt, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. And, you know, how how are things out there in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the midst of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic? Fantastic question. So uh, yesterday I was uh, looking at my bike, little road bike, single speed. And I was like, you know, we got to get that thing tuned up. And I took it to the shop yesterday. Those boys over at Pete's Garage got it done. And... Unfortunately, I went out for a ride yesterday and got another flat tire. So I'm picking it up today. It's about 72 degrees. Very, very balmy for a, a, a Green Bay, early May, spring. And we're going to go for a bike ride. We're just going to bike around. Michael might go bike towards Lambo, might bike towards, towards the pier and St. Albert College. Just going to have a fun day. But it's been nice to be able to get out now with the nice weather. Uh, knock on wood. Still never know if a, a snowstorm will hit. It's weirder things have happened up here, Clint. So. That's what how things are. I'm fortunate to be working from home. I work for a marketing company called Bear Performance Marketing, and um, thankfully I'm able to work from home. But we're just trying to stay safe. Uh, we've had a few setbacks with um, just some voting stuff that had taken place. Uh, we had some setbacks with a couple of factories locally here that weren't a little bit negligent towards the uh, the pandemic. So we're just trying to hang tight here in Brown County. But overall, I think it's just like everyone else, trying to um, stay in routine, trying to stay motivated. Uh, you know, connecting with one another, and I appreciate you inviting me on here to do so. It's uh, it's just nice to uh, be able to talk to someone about sports and get a different perspective uh, down in uh, I guess Baton Rouge area. And it looks like you're a you're a, a Raging Cajun alum. Is that correct? Yeah, that is absolutely correct. A member, a proud Raging Cajun alum, graduated there in 2016, and it's just been great to kind of be part of this station here in Lafayette, here in Lafayette, Louisiana, the heart of Cajun country. Talking some Green Bay Packers with you, man. Awesome. I appreciate you having me on, man. All right, that was Matt Freilich. You can follow him on Twitter. That is Matt underscore F-R-A. And, again, absolutely great stuff from him. Part of Packers Worldwide and hailing from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm not going to try and do the Mr. Anderson gimmick again because I I just did not hit the note right. Like, right when it came out, I'm like, this is not how I expected it to work. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, wrap up the show, and look back at 
a year that was. Not like the Alvin's mix the week that was. Just more looking back. Because I've also got some other thoughts on some things. Because we're nearing six years of me being part of this station. Cannot believe it's been that long. We'll talk about that next right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Wrapping it all up next. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break up. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. And we are going to have a good day because guess what? It's a beautiful day. We're getting closer, I feel like, to phase one, start reopening things up. The stay-at-home order going to be lifted before long, at least what I hope. If not, you know it is what it is. Hopefully, John Bell Edwards is making the right decisions going forward, but that's a different conversation for a whole different time. I'm not going to get into political stuff because that's not my bag. My bag is to talk sports. After all, it is Acadiana Sports Station. Right after we're done here, I cannot wait for this to start. At 12 o'clock, we're going to start the... Astros Classic Rear. We've done this over the last several weeks, and we're continuing it this weekend with a pair of games from 2005. The one we're going to air in a little bit is game 162 between the Astros and Cubs in 2005. Then we fast forward on Sunday to the Astros beating the Cards in the NLCS to win their first ever pennant. Really cool stuff, so make sure you check it out on 103.7 The Game this weekend. And this game is going to start at noon today, tomorrow at 1 o'clock. But don't forget, right after that's done, we're bringing you back to LSU, Florida. The game that was absolutely fantastic last year between the LSU Tigers and the Florida Gators. We're re-airing that as part of recrowning the champion. It all starts with a 30-minute pregame show, RP3, talking with Scott Rabelais of The Advocate, looking back at the game that was but I always want to end the show leaving you with just a little bit of a morsel of one final take. But it's not necessarily a take. It's more of a look back at the last year, the last 362 days. 363 days. Screw it. Let's go that route. May 4th, 2019 was our maiden voyage of Under the Dome. We ended the producers. We ended it. It was a decision between myself, RP3, Blaine Vietor, and everybody else involved with Under the Dome of the producers to end it the way it was. We And I had the decision. I could have ended it and left no announcement. But I decided to kind of end things with me saying that we were going to end it and start on May the 4th because I felt like it was appropriate. And also the fact that my birthday is on May the 5th. My birthday is on a Tuesday this year, but my birthday last year was on a Sunday. So I wanted to do it and consider it a rebirth. And it worked. I liked the idea of it. Under the Dome with CD started off as a really cool idea, and I wasn't necessarily sure how it was going to work out because I never had done a show truly solo that was built as solely me. I always was built around other people, be it Cody Shoots, be it Wendy Utter, be it Blaine Vietor, be it a guy Joey who was behind the board for this program for a while, for the producers for a while. Lo and behold, a year later, they still let me do this damn show. And I've enjoyed the hell out of it. I've interviewed 
some great people, Chris Van Vliet, Smacker Miles, so many others about a lot of different great topics. I talked with a lot of different coaches more recently, Beth Tarina, Frank Wilson, for goodness sakes. How did I get Frank Wilson? I'll never know. But I just shot my shot. I think there's something I just want to say to all y'all. Is it's 2020. Tomorrow's not promised. We need to shoot our shots a lot more. Because that's how we're going to wind up succeeding in whatever field we're in, by shooting our shot. But I also want to say, you know, the last year has been really cool. Just because I felt like I've also found my voice. I'm no longer having to be chained alongside a co-host or something else and had to be treated like a producer, treated like a lower level, kind of and having to share mic time. This is a hundred plus minutes of me just talking. I don't have anybody to bounce off of. I've got my own thoughts. I'm running the board. I'm taking care of these, booking these guests. I'm doing everything myself over for a Saturday morning show for two hours. And then about January of this year, we decided to add on a billboard. My mug is on a billboard right now, an electronic billboard that pops up on the interstate. If 13-year-old me had known this, he, if it if I told 13-year-old me this, he wouldn't believe me. He also wouldn't believe I have a really awesome beard and we're in the middle of a pandemic, so I've been I haven't had like a haircut or a beard trim in like almost 7 weeks. But it's a different conversation for a different day. But it's amazing. We we have literally started from the bottom and now we're here. Six years ago, I started working here as an intern. I worked hard. I was here every day, busted my hump, and eventually got a part-time gig. Started doing weekend producing of different shows. A few months later, those shows didn't exist anymore, so I kind of lost that part of my gig. But, lo and behold, people, higher-ups, saw something in me. Stuck around. Almost six years later, out of all the people that are still here with this company, I'm like one of the last ones. That show on TBS, The Last OG, to a certain extent, that's who I am. But I absolutely love it and I'm appreciative each and every day, especially now more than ever, to be doing this show and for you, the people of Acadiana and everywhere else, wherever you're listening from. I appreciate your listenership. Here's to year two of Under the Dome with CD and year six of me being with Acadiana's number one sports station. I was a part of this station. I was I was a huge I feel like I was a huge part of the rise because I helped I was part I saw the rise. I can say we're continuing to rise. I'm out of here, everybody. Be back with you next Saturday, hopefully, from ten AM to noon. On Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Peace! Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's over. Oh, yeah! Kick it!